welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast. Today's message, Never Give Up, is brought to us by a guest preacher, Reverend Josh Matthews. I mentioned here with some folks from my current ministry down in Garden Grove. We've had a great weekend. We've been up here since Friday night doing a summer retreat, and we've actually stayed here in the youth building, and we've had, I think, a wonderful time, I think a good time. But let me tell you, it's been a minute since I slept in that building up there. (laughs) As many of you know, I was the youth director here for a number of years, and I have spent many nights up in that youth building, but it had been a while, and well, we made it through. But really, we've had a great weekend, and we appreciate you hosting our group. Let's dig into God's Word. Will you please join me in prayer? Gracious God, thank you for this time to be here this morning. Thank you for this coming together of people from all different places, all different walks of life, into this place where we can focus and be together as your people. God, in this time that we have right now, may we use it for your glory. May you challenge us through your spirit, and may you compel us to live out our faith and dive deeper into that faith for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So what is God like? I don't know if you ever think about that. I think it's a pretty broad question, right? There's lots of different metaphors, lots of different analogies that have been used over the years to respond to that question of what is, what is God like? Some of those are good, some of them not so much. I think our answer may depend on how we treat God. I heard a metaphor used as an answer for this once that described how often or far too often we treat God like a vending machine. In prayer, we select what we want from God and expect it to just drop out before us for us to have. But then what happens when we ask God for something and it doesn't happen seemingly? Is God then like a vending machine that doesn't always work where you're shaking it and slapping the side as you're trying to get what you want? I would guess that many of us know that in reality, That is not what God is like, and that is not how God engages us. But what is going on when we seek something from God and we don't feel or sense or experience the answer or result that we want? What do we do then? Well, if I'm being honest, if I allow myself to put aside all of my good, long-held beliefs about God and acknowledge that there have been seasons or just even moments in my life, whether it's due to sin or disappointment or hurt, where I have felt that God was more like a vending machine that didn't always give me what I want. I felt that instead of knowing God as a loving father that I was in a deep relationship with. Now, I'm not here this morning to cast doubt on our God. Rather, just the opposite. 
but I want to hold intention for a little bit. The reality of our hurts, our broken world, the loss, the griefs that we have, and also the truth of this passage that we're going to be going through in Luke chapter 18. Within it are the truths of God's character and our challenging call to trust him and take action. Because by doing that, we can experience the greatest gift that we have been offered, and that is life with God. So we're going to dig into this passage. I'm going to I've broken it up. We're going to get little chunks at a time. Our passage of Scripture is Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. And I'm going to go through little chunks at a time. And what do I mean by little? Well, we're going to start with verse 1. All of verse 1. And it simply says this. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Now, unlike many passages of Scripture, this one does not take years of theological training and deep research and heartfelt long hours in prayer and reading to decipher. I think the point of this passage is made very clear for all of us. As followers of Jesus, we are called to pray and never give up. What does that mean? Theologian and pastor Dallas Willard once defined prayer as talking to God about what we are doing together. I actually love this definition because it captures the relational and ongoing nature of prayer. Now, while the heart of prayer is simply talking to God during those set-aside times and those inspired momentary times throughout the day, there are hindrances that cause this not to be the reality for many of our lives. Most notably is the feeling of the broken vending machine. I'm praying, and I'm not feeling, I'm not sensing, I'm not Am I getting anything from God? And that can lead to the thought of why pray when God seems distant and you feel disheartened? I believe Jesus valued this question so much that this parable came out of that question. Jesus is here talking to his disciples. And there's something that he knows that they don't yet know, which is that this teaching that he gives will be one of the last before he goes through his arrest, his crucifixion, and death. I believe that that context is important to understanding the deeper heart, the deeper meaning behind this parable. In light of the suffering that Jesus knows is coming, what is it about prayer that he needs them and us today to really know. Well, let's take a look at the next two verses in this parable. Verses two and three say, he said, 
being Jesus, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. So in this parable, we see two main characters, a judge and a widow. I want to look first at the widow. The widow was someone who I think could symbolize powerlessness and hardship. Ordinarily, women during Jesus' time in the Middle East did not even go into court. So she's got the odds stacked against her. She feels maybe oppressed. She has an adversary, and she's dealing with a corrupt judge. And so she keeps going back to ask the judge to deal with the situation, to give her justice. Now, many people have read this passage to mean, well, it must mean that I just keep asking God for the same things over and over again until he relents. Then maybe he'll give me what I want. While the widow in this parable, while her consistency, her courage, and even her confidence are certainly admirable, there's something more for us here. In our world today, there are people whose hardship is ignored. In the spiritual realm, Jesus is teaching us that we are not a powerless widow, but rather we as followers of Jesus are children of the creator of the universe. They are given spiritual power and authority to bring transformation to this world so we can boldly approach our heavenly father in prayer and petition. As I studied this parable, I was reminded of some of my history here in Ventura. I saw Dave Furman here somewhere, and years ago, I won't say how many, but it was years ago, (laughs) myself, Mike Rose, and another friend of ours all worked for Dave Furman in his uh, computer consulting business, and we were all together in an office downtown. And there were times, I don't know where Dave is, but at the end of the day, after the work was done, it's important, we would all switch our computers from working on work to playing video games together. That's why it's important that it was at the end of the day, right? And I really enjoyed it, even if I wasn't very good at it. It took me a lot of work and a lot of hours practicing to get any good at the video games we were playing. Mike and our other friend Pat, on the other hand, seemed to just easily be excellent at these video games. And yes, I was a little jealous of them because I wasn't very good trying to get better and they just didn't seem to be very hard for them to be awesome at all. We had a good time playing those video games after work was done. (laughs) But I thought of that story as I was thinking about this passage this morning because when we think about prayer, for some of us, Boldly approaching our Father in heaven is not something that comes easy to us. 
We don't have the words or we're timid or we feel like we just aren't worthy to approach the creator of the universe. Others seem to have a natural ability to pray. They're smooth. They're coherent. They seem to have just the right words and they are bold. Surely God listens to them more than the ones that struggle, right? No, this is not the view of Jesus. We're called to pray because we all have access to God through Jesus Christ. No matter your age, no matter how long you've been coming to church, no matter if you have left the church at some point and come back to it, no matter if it's one word even, help, or a full-on poetic lament. We are called to persist in prayer because we all have the power and authority to be heard by God. What an incredible gift that is. Do not think less of yourself than God thinks of you. Persist in prayer. Let's continue in our passage. Verses 4 and 5. For some time, the judge refused. But finally, he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Who is this man? Well, we can see from the text, he's deeply unjust. He's uncaring, and he's unmovable. He is hurting a widow, and he should feel ashamed about that, but he doesn't. So, is this passage saying that God is also stingy with compassion on those who are hurting? No, emphatically No, of course not. If this unjust judge granted the widow's plea, how much more will God, who is nothing at all like this judge, hear the prayers and petitions of his children? How is it that God is not like this judge? Well, God is not unmoved by your cries. He is moved by them. He is not withholding goodness from you. He is not biased toward good behavior. He is not tracking how many days you've been to church in a row or how good you've been. That's who God is not. Who is he and how do we know? Well, shortly after this teaching we see Jesus live out these words to pray persistently and never give up. Before his arrest, he goes to pray. He goes to pray to his Father in heaven that if there is another way besides the cross for him to fulfill his purpose, that it be made known. Jesus is so burdened during this time of prayer that we're told he even begins sweating blood. Jesus acted on a foundational 
and key truth. He knew that his prayers were being received not by a cruel judge who was uncaring, but by a deeply compassionate and caring father. Despite the events that were to follow, Jesus pressed on with a deep assurance of who he was praying to. He knew he was speaking to a father who was listening intently. He knew he was speaking to a good God who would not let his son's prayers go unanswered, unheard, and ignored. And for those who have faith in Jesus, the promise of God to hear and respond to prayer is extended to us as it was to the Son. Now there is one last vital piece to this parable. In addition to the love of the Father that strengthens Christ and his followers to persist in prayer, in this last bit, we see a characteristic so opposite of the unjust judge that we shouldn't miss it. The final part of our passage, verses 6 through 8, say, And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus is clear in this parable. The unjust judge is nothing like our God because our God is a just God. And he will see that his children get justice. How is that connected to prayer? Well, when we pray about something that we feel is not right, we're appealing in prayer to God's sense of justice, that he would bring justice and order to the world and that he would bring it to our lives as well by squashing evil by forgiving and doing away with sin and anything else that pulls us from goodness. We desire a God that is just and a world as well that is just. And yet, it's far too easy to think of examples where we think God does not seem to us to be just. I mean, come on, look around. Read the news. What about all the ways in life that this doesn't seem to align with our reality, both as we look at the world and as we experience it ourselves? Think about times maybe when you've gotten a phone call from a doctor with bad news, or you didn't get that job that you thought was definitely going to be yours. Or when your significant relationship is tainted by betrayal. Or when the college that you have dreamt of getting into 
doesn't accept you. So how do we reconcile this chasm of brokenness that saturates our world while also confidently saying that God is caring and just? That God is worthy of praying to and laying out our lives for? Because of God's promise, and let me articulate what that promise is, God, God's promise to us is everlasting justice. If God grants us all of our prayers like a vending machine that never breaks down while we're here on earth so that we avoid pain and sickness, and yet everything still ends in death, and there is nothing else ahead, then God has not brought ultimate justice to the world that he created. It's almost as if he has played some sick joke. Therefore, the ultimate fulfillment of what we yearn for in our hearts, the greatest need we have, is a justice that is so powerful that it defeats our ultimate enemy, death itself. A justice that cannot be reversed. A justice that cannot be taken from us. A justice that restores and makes things right. This justice is attained by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, where God himself, out of sheer love for you and I, displays his character of care and justice by dying on the cross to then rise again, defeating the power of death over all of our lives. Men and women, because of Christ, death no longer has the final word. Life does. Life as it was intended to be. The glorious reality that all the tears, all the pain, and all the suffering will be swallowed up into everlasting life and pure joy. It's the resurrection hope that will sustain us when our present reality is disheartening because we know how our story ends and we know who our Father is. So how is God's justice connected to prayer? Because of the resurrection. Because of the resurrection, we can pray and never give up, knowing that every prayer we plead for will never be in vain and that life will ultimately win. So what's the spiritual reality that Christ is inviting his disciples and each of us to in this parable of the persistent widow and the unjust judge. It is that unlike the widow and the judge, as followers of Jesus, we can confidently persist in prayer, knowing that we pray to a father who is caring and just, guaranteeing that life will have the final word. Jesus ends this parable with a final question. 
says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That question can feel pretty heavy. However, there is grace abounding. When this question of keeping your faith in God feels daunting or too heavy to carry, take heart that our faith in Christ is not meant to be done in isolation or on our own strength, but with a community of believers. And I hope all of you at some point in your life have felt that community surrounding you and caring for you. It's the reason we exist together as a church and not as individual followers of Christ. So may we do this boldly and confidently, living for Jesus, persisting in prayer, doing so as we walk into our work, as we order our coffees, as we talk with our families. Let us live lives saturated with prayer, knowing confidently that a Father is listening, and it's a Father that has granted us life and who will never abandon us. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you that your promises are real. Your hope is eternal. And that we can be assured that when we pray to you, you are listening, you are moving, and that you are always compassionate and caring and responding to us. Help us to live that out. Help us to be bold whether it's a one-word prayer or a long, eloquent prayer. Help us to be bold. In Jesus' name, amen.